This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 91 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss food allergies in horses and dogs. In Tigopedia, we ask how to transition horses into retirement. Critter Nutrition focuses on stress and recovery. And in Coffee Clutch, we share the best advice our dogs have given us. Listen in. My name is Tigger Montague. And I am Patty Perucci. And welcome to Healthy Critters Radio. <laughs> So, Patty, you were the mother of the bride this past weekend. I was, and I was so happy that you were there to to be there and witness it. It was, honestly, it was, you know, it was one of the best days of my life. We had such a great day all day long. And, you know, it was, as you know, Tigger, a few of the hottest days that Virginia has seen in a long time. Unbelievable. And I will tell you, my daughter, Hannah, is a, 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 a dressage rider as well. Um, she's got quite a little resume going on herself. So she is all about doing things outside. So we picked this venue, which is wonderful. It's called Castle Hill Cidery, and it's right in Keswick, Virginia. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, you just go, it's God's country out here. It's just stunning. It's just beautiful. And the one thing that she wanted is the option for the wedding to be outside, even though we were doing it. On, in July, but she wanted to be able to go inside for air conditioning <laughs> and going into the weekend, you know, I mean, obviously it can get into the hundreds in Virginia, but it doesn't happen often. And no. it sure happened over the weekend, didn't it? So we did the rehearsals outside. We did the whole thing and then, um, and didn't really prep for doing it inside. But one of the, the biggest things that we were hoping to give the guests is that Hannah also has an Australian shepherd and his name is Henley and he is extraordinarily well-trained and extraordinarily just adorable in so many ways. And he was the flower dog and it was Hannah and Parker most, had been practicing. It was heartbreaking. It, 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 it was heartbreaking in that when he tried, that dog came in and he turned and went down the aisle I broke out in tears, not of sadness, but in just of just joy. The whole what, human you know, the, dog connection. Oh, it was just so sweet. It, but the thing that w- what nobody realized is that we had practiced that outside, and Henley did not have the opportunity to do it with all the chairs there. And it, you know, it was just, and they just worked on it, and it was, it was just, it went down. And I mean, Tigger, of all people, I knew you were going to love it. You were just going to oh, love it. Oh. And it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. We were, we were very, very proud of that. Very, very proud of that. So it sort of set the now, precedent. Now, I have to tell you, Jennifer, Patty already knows this, but I, I came a day early. Yes, she did. My little pumpkin. You weren't the only one. Did she come a day Whether early because she had it written on the calendar wrong or just wanted to have a little extra time in Virginia? <laughs> I thought it was Saturday because I think of most weddings as being on Saturday. So 
I didn't look at the invitation closely, and we drove into Castle Hill. <laughs> there was nobody and there, and like, I went, okay, maybe it's at the big house. So then we get right. out, and we drive down the road into the main house, and of course, that's all closed off. And I went, maybe I've got, he said, maybe you've got the wrong weekend. And so then I pulled up the invitation, it said Sunday. So we had a good laugh all the way home. Well, it was funny because there was a couple it had that you weren't the only one. And I, and it was, you know, in my mind, you know, I, I knew it was Sunday and I knew that it was all, all, not a very classic day to do it. But, um, you know, my, my daughter is very frugal and she said, if we're going to do it at a place like this, it's, I would rather do it on an off day and be able to afford to invite more people than to, do it, you know, on the main day and then, you know, not be able to invite as much because, you know, situations like that are pretty expensive. And so that's why she wanted to do it on Sunday, which I thought was kind of funny, but you Tigger, you weren't the only one. So you just know that you were in good company with a couple other people, but yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Well, it, I will, I remember that wedding forever, partly because we showed up a day early and also yeah. because it was just, it was just beautiful. And Thank you. I'm sorry we had to leave and go muck stalls and turn horses out, but that's yep. farm life when you don't have help. Yep. So that's right. Anyway, yeah. thanks for inviting me. But, and well, but it, you know, it, but Tigger, I, I came out of the I came out of the the you know the the area where we were all getting ready, and I was with my father-in-law, as you know, and I walked two steps, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's my little Tiggy <laughs> sitting there, like you were the first person I saw. So that and I wonderful. blew her a kiss. I know. It was very sweet. Very sweet. So, well, we have some interesting topics to cover today. We do. We do. We have got lots of good stuff. So um, let's get on it and um, see if we can help everybody's critters be more healthy. So indeed, it is that time during the show where we have our roundtable discussion, where we talk about the really big topics of the universe and help people <laughs> think harder about them. And this one is near and dear to my heart, Tigger. So get us started. So we're going to talk about food allergies in horses and dogs. And I bring this up because they're becoming m more common in horses. Um, they've been fairly common in dogs, but in horses we're seeing more and more food allergies. Why this is, I don't know. The common allergens in horses now are soy, oats, sometimes tea, sometimes alfalfa, sometimes orchard grass, sometimes bahia, sometimes Bermuda, lots of pollens. But in the food group, corn, which is actually not as uh, a common an allergen as, say, oats or soy. Those are the big ones. Um, molasses can be, uh, yeah. In dogs, it's, you know, generally more proteins. Uh, chicken is a common one. Beef is a common one. Um, sometimes lamb, a little less or so. Uh sometimes turkey but in horses what is so disturbing is i've seen uh allergy tests and, and the horse is basically allergic to anything that gr that's grass 
And, you know, it makes now, let me you stop wonder you here because I'm curious. What's I've, going never, on? I've never had a horse that I know of or worked with one that has had a food allergy that I'm aware of. Typically, how does a food allergy in a horse manifest itself? Because I know in dogs, it's really common that the dog has itchy skin. But how does it yeah. manifest in a horse? Well, um, sometimes it, it manifests through colic. Really? Uh, so let's say the horse has frequent ass colics. And they treat for ulcers. And it may improve a little bit. But then after the gastrogard is over, then the horse starts with uh, another gas colic. And I noticed that in certain areas of the country, vets are starting to use an allergy test now more diagnostically, which is great. Like they say, okay, all right, we scoped. There's no ulcers there. There's no reason for this horse to be colicking. Let's let's pull the blood to a food allergy panel. And lo and behold, you find find out that the horse is allergic to soy or oats and of course that's in the horse's diet or they're allergic to timothy and they've been eating timothy grass now what's interesting about allergies and this is true in humans and dogs and cat and and cats and horses is we think of allergies as something that you're born with but you can develop them absolutely yeah why horses develop allergies I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of guesses, but I, I, I think the, the whole point of discussing this is if your horse is starting to get these frequent colics or these long stretches of, of really loose stool that nothing will stop and we think, okay, that's probably leaky gut and you try this and that and this and that, it still doesn't quite fix it. If there's an attitude problem that just doesn't get better when you have tried some calmers and maybe some natural horsemanship techniques and just you, you've, you've turned over every stone, get, get a food allergy test. So because what, does, what is so what is shocking to me test? is that... What does that look like? Does they, so they draw blood and then you send it off to the lab and it comes back with results? Is that how that works? That's exactly how it works. Oh, that's simple enough. There we go. And every lab has their own protocol. So they will tell you the ranges because they run different lab equipment. Hmm. But they'll tell you, okay, this is high, this is low, this is normal, 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 high. And it'll give you a number. So it's, you know, it's a relatively straightforward test. Now, some vets say they, they question its validity, meaning how accurate is it? And my point is, it's, it's a way to point us in the right direction. If I do an allergy test on a horse and it's showing soy and alfalfa, I'm definitely going to cut those three things out. See how the horse does. And it's really interesting because every horse that I've worked with that has had an allergy panel and then we've changed the diet, they've improved when you remove the allergens. Now, you can take that and that blood to another lab that uses a different test and you might get, it may be a high normal instead of a over the top. But when you remove allergens, the horse feels better, which is, you know, not remarkable. 
it, it just kind of makes sense. So the more I see these allergy tests being done and the more I see these panels and how common they are, meaning these similar allergies, it, it really makes me think, you know, it's, it's probably going to come a time when we're going to just need to test our horses. So we do it's, CBCs. It's so it's so interesting that you're you're saying this, Tigger, because one of the horses, the Barnumat now, which you know you and I are working on his diet. Literally, yeah. one day, I just came in, and he was sneezing. I mean, sneeze, fractiously sneezing, 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 and we were like, okay, well, something's gone. Now it, it was interesting because when I would go to uh, bring him into the indoor, he was fine, but it was only really it was a lot more in the barn. So anyway, fast forward, we kind of went on for three or four days and I was like, yeah, we need to get the vet out and see what the heck's going on. And as it turns out, he is highly allergic to Timothy. I knew that he would be allergic to mesquite because a lot of horses that come to the area really have trouble with the mesquite trees. Mm-hmm. And, but it's interesting because we, I could not figure out why when he was in the barn versus being in the indoor and they have those big ass fans, you know, moving the air around and I was like, why, you know, because I was like, this can't be a fan. It's also thing moving the allergens. Right. Well, but in the barn, guess what? That Timothy Hay is sitting in his stall. So, yeah. So we're removing all the Timothy because we had him on some Timothy pellets. And um, and actually, you know, it was one of the things I was going to talk to you about because it's sort of, so, we, you know, we're, we're, we're removing everything that he shows, uh, you know, and uh, that he's having allergic reaction to. And in my my experience with doing this, I feel like these tests are so good because if you remove everything that you can in the initial state of this, and then some of them, I think it's anything that's over 250 or it something. It depends on the lab. Some oh, labs, okay. that's, their that's levels true. are at 100. Interesting. Well, ours was 250, if that's a helpful thing. So we're just removing <laughs> what high. we can to start with that way and then kind of go from there. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's, it's interesting because I, this is the second horse I've had uh, that I've seen literally, you know, <coughs> sneeze constantly, sneeze, 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 sneeze. And I used to have, that used to happen to me a lot in New Jersey as well. But yeah, just, it's, that's, that's an interesting thing. And you hear it, like you said, Tigger, it's so much more common generally in dogs and, you know, how you deal with it. But the horse thing is, that's a, it's a big deal and people don't always. So my, my experience with it has been, I've had one horse that was allergic um, actually to pine shavings, but that's a long time. And his way he showed it was by colicking, just like yeah. you were saying. And then yeah. I've had two horses had trouble and they would just sneeze. So very interesting and good information. And sometimes it's runny eyes, runny, that, that just doesn't quit, you know, so you know that they're, they're allergic to something. And, you know, sometimes it's environmental, it's mites or, you know, specific pollen, a tree pollen, a grass pollen, but inevitably, if there are some, if there's allergies going on, there's going to be a food allergy component of some sort. That must really it, suck to be allergic to grass when you're a horse that's designed. That can must really you imagine? suck. <laughs> I mean, that would be a horse that evolutionarily would not. You know, no, he would, wouldn't exist. Like wouldn't, a he wouldn't make it. Say, no, he'd be very short for this world. Yeah, but. In is causing this, or a, a number of factors are causing this, that our horses' immune systems are hypersensitive 
because that's really what it is, that they're overreactive. Because mm-hmm. most horses are born, they don't have food allergies. They drink their mother's milk, they eat grass, they're fine. And then when they get to be adults, something happens. And I I don't know what it is, but if if any of our listeners out there have some good ideas, you know, send me an email, healthycrittersradio.com. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Hedy? Hello. Hedy. Hello, everybody. It's me, Hedy. Yes, I'm here. Yes, yes, yes. So here. Ready, 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 ready. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. She's ready. Tiggy's, your Hedwig is ready. Yay. It's good to hear, Hedwig. Jennifer has an important question for you. I do. So many answers right now, ready. Right now. At horse shows all across America and probably all across the world. And also here in Ocala, Florida, retirement capital of the universe, there are golf carts everywhere. I want to know how you feel about golf carts. Little dogs scorn the golf carts. Oh. Little dogs don't need no golf cart. Little dogs like perfect paws. Little dog doesn't need to be driven around like an invalid. Little dog walk, not ride. So you you that's that's important to know that that little dog has good paws and can move about on her own. How do you feel about golf carts zinging left, right, and center, moving all the humans about? Little dog disapprove of golf carts in general. See, but, but what about okay. all those senior citizens who can't get around so well and they use their golf cart to go to the grocery store? Well, that's just ridiculous. Get a car, people. <laughs> Do you not have licenses anymore? Then don't drive a golf cart. Mm. Okay. Obviously, you feel strongly about that. And since also, you... if go... I may just point out here, get staff. I do not oh, go there to the grocery go. store for myself. I've got people for that. <laughs> so you, your 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 solution is the people should get people to go to the grocery for, store for them. Oh, yeah. She calls them staff. Have staff, okay. children, or you know, significant others, or whatever. So I mean, what the, I would hope that an older person would have people who like him or her and would be willing to help. I mean, if not, then I guess a golf cart. But in my experience, even the horrible servant is nice to older people. <laughs> this is true. So oftentimes we see dogs chasing after golf carts and barking viciously at them. And I know that you would never do something like that because you would never stoop that low. But what would you tell dogs who have the propensity to bark and try to bite the tires of passing golf carts? It's just immature and ridiculous. And it's lending our species a very poor reputation. We're nice animals, kind and like a snack. If you go around chasing golf carts, people are going to think you're vicious and they're not going to give you a nice thing. Not one nice thing. So if you are nice and you maybe sit down and grin and wag your tail a little bit, maybe shake out your suit, you get a cookie, someone scratch your head. But if you are wild and you bark and you're not very nice, people will not do that. Then you're starving. See. I mean, you know, I look at a sort of economic relationship with humans. 
You have to be nice to the humans so they give you nice things. You don't have to be terribly nice if you're incredibly cute. That's an economic ratio that I have determined. <laughs> if you're very, very good looking, you can make a chart of this. Extremely adorable is at the top of the left-hand side. And then on the other side is nice, the axis, horizontal axis. <laughs> so we have to, we have, to have a... a uh a chart of niceness versus adorableness and the cuter you are, the less nice you need to be. Well, you know, that really, in my experience with the canine species, that pans out Patty and Tigger. What do you think? Yeah, I think that is a excellent point. It works. We only own cute dogs. (laughs) Well, that's, well, there you go. It works for everything. I mean, if you're a cute hamster, but you bite people, probably they won't throw you against the wall and make hamster mash. Yeah. <laughs> hamster okay. Mash. But maybe they will. Let's, let's hope not, Hedwig. Okay. I mean, I like hamsters myself. They're very cute. Little feet. Not the little feet. Being a Pomeranian. Because hamster. they're related. Yeah. Po- being a Pomeranian, I can understand how you feel that way about hamsters. Although I suspect some of your terrier friends feel differently. You don't have that many terrier friends. That's because terriers are low on the nice scale, even though they're high on the adorable scale. They're very low on the nice yeah. scale. They tend to be a little bit terrorizing. That's terrier, right? Yes. Terrierists. Terrierists. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Hedwig, for your, uh, your opinions on golf carts and your advice yeah. on how folks should avoid using them. No problem. Just get some staff. I mean, I know it's an issue, but everyone should get staff. Make it a prayer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's a gig economy now, so people are looking for work. Well, thank you very much, Hedwig. You're welcome. It's always very nice to speak with you. Interesting question. I do like economic theory. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Daddy. So we are at our great Tigapedia portion of the show, and I get lots of questions about this ticker, so I thought this was a good one to bring up, and is how do we transition horses into retirement, which is a big one. It is a big one, and it's an important one, and it's not easily answered because the individual horse plays a huge role in what the retirement looks like and and how it's set up. So the first part of it is how much time in retirement is the horse going to spend out? And if they eventually are going to transition to being out 24-7 in run-in sheds, that can take months and months to make that transition. And just don't be in a rush. You know, just take it easy. The horse will tell you when he's had enough of being out with all his buddies or one day he just said, he'll just say, I, I don't want to leave. I'm good. In right. terms of feeding, especially a horse that's been in training and regular work, you want to slowly reduce the feed. You still want to keep, if they're going to be stalled, you know, keep up the hay and maybe just go to a ration balancer or, okay. you know, some Timothy, Timothy alfalfa pellets with a multivitamin mineral. So, Tigger, t- t- explain what a ration, simple. explain what a ration balancer is, though. 
a ration balancer is made by feed companies and it's they have a lot of other ingredients other than vitamins and minerals in there they have right. food byproducts and because it's kind of like feeding commercial grain except you're feeding mm-hmm. it at a lower rate that's why it's known as a ration balance right I, okay. I just feed to all my retired horses they get alfalfa pellets and biostars optimum senior and in the winter they get chia because the grass doesn't provide any omega-3s they get plenty of hay in the winter they graze 24 7 in the spring and summer and fall it, it, it it's really I, I find tired horses easy even the metabolic but the key is moving around you know if they're retired and they're used to being in training they still need to move right they need it for circulation they need it for their heads and they need it for their basic biology Uh, you know personally i i know a lot of people keep retired horses in the same kind of routine that they had when they were uh working horses so they spend, you know, many hours in a stall and then they get turned out for a couple of hours right. a day. And, and that's fine. I mean, if that's what you have available, that's fine. I, but personally, ideally, these older horses seem to do great when they're turned out in a herd and living like a horse. Once they, I think a lot of people have fear with that, too. I mean, they're afraid to you know, change what they've been doing with their, with their horses. And, and, you know, how do you, I mean, I, um, you and I have shared, uh, one horse that was a Grand Prix horse that I, the owner was very, very conscious about how to take the horse from being very active in a show life for many years and sent the horse to me. And then my, my idea was, okay, the horse had never been turned out. So I was going to keep riding the horse, but less in how much activity and then very slowly turn it out. And then from that, it became, you know, turning out all day. And then eventually, you know, I rode less and then turned the horse out all night. And then eventually we got the horse to come and live with you guys. And I mean, I was, I, I, I took my time with that just mainly because the owner was so concerned about it, but it sounds like, you know, you've had such success with just kind of, you know, obviously addressing the feed and, and if the activity level has been taken care of and diminished slowly to where they're just not like riding and then they're done, um, you can right. probably get them out pretty quickly. It depends, you know, Lionheart, it took a year. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but that, I, was, I that was Lionheart. story, Grand Prix horse that Patty's talking about. His owner came to see him about two months into his retirement at my farm where he's turned out in a herd and she drove up and she got out of her car and I met her and we walked out there and he walked up to her and then he snorted and trotted away. And she was (laughs) so happy that he wanted to be with his friends more than he wanted to be with her. She didn't take it personally. Her feelings weren't hurt. It was a great relief to her, you know, yeah, good owner. Yeah. And, and it and, doesn't always you know, happen. They, that, yeah. they do live longer. There's no question in my mind that horses living out, you know, with adequate water and feed and hay and movement and, you know, a place to get in out of the weather in a group, it, it, it's, it, it, it absolutely lengthens their lives. And it makes them sounder. Mm-hmm. Because they have to keep Oh, I agree. I agree. 
I think, you know, it sounds like, honestly, I think the biggest thing is that they do keep moving Tigger, like you said, and that they can get down and be more like horses. I think that the hard, the hardest thing for people to understand is like looking at a horse in a stall and seeing what he's done is, as, you know, as we've domesticated them and then thinking about them just kind of, you know, well, how could they possibly just change their mind and turn into this other horse so quickly? But it is amazing how nature takes over. It does. And the hardest thing I think for a lot of owners to get over is that they no longer will look groomed, washed, bathed, clipped, mane. Yeah. I mean, that all goes out the window. And you have to be Mm -hmm. prepared to look at your horse after a year and see the long mane and the long whiskers and the fetlock hair. But you see a look in your horse's eye that is, the, the ha- I, I'm with my group. I'm with my family. I'm with yeah. my friends. So it's a, it's a good feeling. So Tigger, I have a question. It's for a you. great feeling. When you first bring a horse into retirement, let's say he's he's gone through the process of sort of stepping down his work with his trainer, and now he's ready to take the step to go to a retirement house, a farm where he's not going to be in work, and typically, particularly high level horses. Their social skills may not be great because they've probably spent a good deal of the past 10 or more years of their lives not hanging out with other horses and making horsey friends. Very common scenario. Are there anything, anything that you could suggest to help a horse like that regain his social skills as safely as possible? Because we all know horses spend at least 50% of their time trying to hurt themselves, and the other 50% of the time trying to kill themselves. So any, any suggestions on how to help them kind of get back in touch with being a polite member of society? You, you, you do have to have a setup for this. Uh, my farm is ideally set up in that the fence lines for the, the large paddocks, which are the, sort of the transition paddocks, the, the group, the herd comes right up and meets the new horse. And, and then I'm lucky that I've got one or two horses I can turn out with a new horse, you know, in, in the paddock. And then they'll, they'll go in the barn at night. You know, I keep somewhat of the routine and then they stay out longer and longer. And, and then they just kind of let you know, and they may get a kick or a ugly look from the herd leader or a mare may tell another mare get lost, but they always seem to work it out without, I mean, maybe I have to knock on wood, but I have not had, you know, fractures or anything here. The group is very homeogenic. They just, they just all mix in and make it work. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, so, yeah. But I also think the way you set it up. Patience is the yeah, biggest, patience. you know. So, and let them introduce themselves. Yeah, let know? them introduce themselves. And be ready for some squeals. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are experienced will teach the new guy, you know, look, you're not so tough. Go over and eat over there (laughs) for a while. Go eat over there. Yeah, yeah. And I've always found that an abundance of food is always good. So if you have lots of really lush pasture and space, you know, when when somebody says, you know, you need to get lost because you're being me being rude and not and not following the the herd rules here, he can yeah. go get lost but still go eat and be content. Versus, okay, I need to get lost, but I really want to hang out over here because this is where the food is. Right. Yeah, that's key. Having having that space and 
that Absolutely. No, nobody yeah. feels like they need to guard their food. <laughs> well, that's exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, that's great. Great advice. Yeah. Absolutely. I would agree. Good advice. Yeah. Let them, let them be a horse. Let them take their time. And I, I love the idea of letting them hang out in, a, in an adjacent field. And you can yep. you can just observe them each day, and you'll see the the adrenaline start to drop, and the and the interactions become more casual, and yeah. Or they get they get to the point where they go, if you don't get me out of this freaking paddock and let me go play with them, I'm going to have a snip fit. <laughs> they yeah. bond with them, yeah. They see the other horses run to the other side of the hill, and they go, I want to go with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that's funny. Well, that was great. That was great advice. Thank you. All right. Health of Critters 91, Critter Nutrition, 3, 2, 1. And here we are at Critter Nutrition, and I'm going to talk today about Biostar's Formula Rebound. Rebound is a multi-purpose supplement that can be used for stress, recovery, and detoxification. It provides a unique proprietary blend of protein sources, undenatured whey protein, organic hemp protein, dehydrated whole eggs, and organic yellow lentils. This unique blend of protein supplies the branch chain amino acids, which are necessary for muscle building and maintenance, plus all the essential amino acids, including lysine. There is an additional benefit to this multi-sourced unique protein combination, and that's the GI tract. Providing protein sources like egg, whey, hemp, and lentils support a more diverse colony of beneficial microorganisms. Rebound for physical stress. A horse's body that's in training or competes faces a biological process of muscle breakdown and muscle building. Providing the branch chain amino acids is critical to supporting the process of muscle building and muscle maintenance. Another biological process of horses in training is oxidative stress, which is the result of increase in production of free radicals and reactive oxygen species. Studies have shown that oxidative stress, if prolonged, can cause impairments in cell and tissue function and damage through late cell death and inflammation. The body's defense against free radicals and reactive oxygen species are the antioxidants. Proteins and enzymes in the undenatured whey protein have been shown to reduce oxidative stress, exhibiting free radical scavenging activity. Recent studies have revealed that specific whey enzymes can increase the powerful intercellular antioxidant glutathione. Biostar's rebound not only provides undenatured whey protein for muscle and for antioxidant support, but also selenium yeast as selenium is a powerful antioxidant, plus organic pomegranate, another food source of antioxidants. Research has shown that pomegranates have an antioxidant activity three times higher than red wine and green tea. The fat-soluble antioxidants are vitamin A, E, and K, and are provided by organic alaria. It's a sea vegetable from the North Sea in Scotland. To support cellular growth factors for muscles and tissues, Rebound contains our unique bovine colostrum with 38% IgG. Bovine colostrum provides over 70 different growth factors for cellular repair. Bovine colostrum is one of the best foods to support the immune system because it regulates the master of the immune system, the thymus gland. To aid the body in reducing metabolic toxins, including from the digestive tract, 
as well as decreasing the impact of environmental toxins. Rebound provides smectite clay, which can absorb and adsorb negatively charged toxins. Think of smectite clay as a sponge helping to mop up toxic metabolites. For GI tract support, Rebound provides Bioflora, a multi-strain probiotic with MOS to help colonize the GI tract. To provide circulatory support, Rebound contains Hawthorne berry powder to help reduce stiffness after training and competition. Rebound for recovery and layups. Your vet has prescribed stall rest and you know you have to cut back on the amount of feed, but did you know you need to keep protein levels up because the body will cannibalize itself when not provided enough protein? Generally, horses that lose muscle in layup do so because they aren't getting enough protein. Rebound provides the four different food sources of protein, including the essential amino acids and the branch chain amino acids. For horses on layup, bovine colostrum is an important food for cellular support, tissue repair, and healing. Rebound also provides Bioflora, our multi-strain live probiotic with MOS, that is micro-encapsulated to ensure release in the small and large intestines. With 100 billion CFUs per serving, it can help reduce stress on the GI tract. The Hawthorne berry powder and rebound supports circulation, which is a critical component to healing. Rebound for detoxification. We are seeing more and more horses with heavy metal overload. Heavy metals come from exhaust fumes, landfills, chemical fertilizers, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, water, and soil. The common heavy metals are cadmium, lead, aluminum, mercury, arsenic, and nickel. Heavy metals can interfere with the absorption of calcium, magnesium, potassium, sulfur, and trace minerals. The Smectec clay and rebound is one of the most effective toxin-binding clays. In fact, research conducted in China found that smectite clay was effective in removing lead ions out of water. Research in Germany on smectite for toxin binding was published in the Journal of Food Nutrition and Population Health in 2019. The study shows smectite's ability to adsorb large amounts of toxins, including heavy metals, ammonium, and histamine. Smectite clay is part of the sodium bentonite family, which has been shown to be effective in binding aflatoxins, such as aspergillus and parasitis. Rebound for the traveling horse. Horses who travel to competitions, particularly over long distances, can benefit from rebound to support their GI tract with bioflora and their immune systems with bovine colostrum, as the gut and immune system are easily stressed from travel. The addition of the antioxidants and hawthorn berries in rebound can help reduce stiffness in long-distance travel. Rebound supports the body's need for protein, for antioxidants, for GI tract support, for immune and tissue repair, for circulation, and for the capability to bind metabolic and environmental toxins. We consider it a full-spectrum supplement for your horse. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. 
Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And now we're at Coffee Clatch, and our topic is the best advice we ever got from our dogs, which may sound a little strange, but I think that cats and dogs and horses and goats and all the four-leggeds and even the winged ones, they have things to tell us if we can tune in and listen. And I have gotten, the best advice I have gotten which I've gotten a lot of advice from the dogs and the cats and the horses. But the best advice I ever got was from a dog that I rescued from the SPCA, who was my first Australian shepherd. And Mm. I named him Spirit because he had two blue eyes. And he was a dog that could not be contained. There wasn't a fence, a door, a window, if he wanted to go on a walkabout, he was going. Yeah. And he, he taught me that dogs, like humans, are who they are. Each individual is who they are. And no matter how much you want to cram them into a little box and make them fit my image of what I want this dog to be, I learned from spirit how wonderful it is to let a dog be who they are. That's not to say that there is no training and there's no guidance and there's no boundaries, but it's not trying to make a free spirit into a homebody. And his advice, uh, after beating my head against the wall, I finally listened. And then he never wandered again. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I've applied that to my successive Aussies recognizing that even though they're all the same breed, they are each one unique and special. And what one learns fast, another one may learn slowly. And it doesn't mean that one's Einstein and one's a village idiot. It's just that they're each unique and I I need to feed them uniquely. I, I need to, to address their needs uniquely and and that's been a great gift because, I, you know, that's also the way that I approach the horses. They're each, each one is an individual. They're not just a horse. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a very good point. Perhaps that could apply to people. Oh, oh 100%. Certain it could. <laughs> certain, certain. How about you, Patty? So, you know, and I, this is with dogs and horses, and cats, and people. (laughs) 
I think the biggest thing that I get from my my animals is not just in one particular lesson, but it's it's a constant reminder all the time is patience and that to just take time, which is not easy for me. Um, I'm very, I very much um, am always like, okay, well, you know, let's, how much can we get into one day? Not that I'm trying to, um, like, I'm not that I'm trying to be an overachiever or anything like that. It's just my nature to try to get, I like to, I like to earn my sleep. And sometimes because I work with animals, it's a little hard for me to take time and enjoy things. And the one thing that I'm really happy about in my current life situation is that my number, if you were to ask me at any point in the last probably 20 years, what is the one thing that you love to do more than anything? And I love to, I love to watch my dogs play, which is like the end of the day, like a Tigger, Tigger can tell you, I can send video upon <laughs> video of my dog is doing the dumbest thing. And I'm laughing in the back. Like that brings me such, such amazing joy um, and yet you have to take time to see that, but I love to hand graze my own horse. I love to, I love to have that time of just hand grazing my own horse and watching how they eat and watching what leg goes forward and what, you know, it sounds stupid, but it's just such a, just such an amazing time and listen to how they chew and, you know, and how they react. And, um, and I just, I just love that. And I, um, it, it's what's hard for me when, you know, when you're raising kids and you're, you know, trying to do all these things and run a business and blah, 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 blah. It's hard to remember those little things. And I can tell you, I have hand grazed my horse more often in the last six weeks of my life than I have probably in the last 20 years. And in that, I've just learned a lot about just, just stopping and taking time. And so my big thing is patience. My animals have, have just constantly remind me that, you know, you need to be patient. You need to, and you know you're, you're more present when you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When, when you were talking about the dogs playing, I, I felt like their message was a reminder about us to play. I mean, we Absolutely. forget how to play. I think that's an excellent point. And, or, or, or to find joy, you know, or to find joy in the most simple of things. Exactly. There you go. How about you, Jennifer? Jennifer? Well, you just gave mine away right there to... I'm a cat person, not a dog person. I like dogs just fine, but I'm a cat person. Um, And kitties have taught me, and particularly this most recent kitty we had, to find joy in the everyday. One of his favorite things to do was to find a tissue box, usually mostly empty tissue box. And it was a big cat. He probably weighed 12 or 13 pounds. Big cat. Um, And he would somehow or another squeeze his entire body into the tissue box. (laughs) And the reason his entire body ended up in the tissue box is he would get part way in. And the only way he could figure to get out would be to get all the way in and turn around and crawl back out. He couldn't figure out how to back out of the tissue box. I actually took video of him doing this once. It was very, very funny. And just to, so it's a tissue box. Yeah, what a, well, let's make this tissue box a game. And cats have a real knack for that, for taking things yep. that are ordinary and creating some joy from them. And I took that to heart. There we go. And that's what my kitty taught me. And also, this is Cat Universal, is live your own life and don't take any guff from anybody about it. If I want to be... <laughs> If I want to be the cat that sits on top of the couch 
while you watch TV yep. and plays with your hair. I'm going to do it, and I don't care how much you don't like it. You yep, can't exactly. stop me. You yeah. can't stop me. <laughs> yeah. That's also, talk to me though. by the Beast, our most recent cat. Yeah. Again, it's you know, be who you are and be okay, and 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 whether people are okay with it doesn't matter. Yeah. Spirit didn't care that it made me frantic when he'd go on walkabouts. Nope. He, mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, our animals was, are authentic. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to say that. So we, yeah, we can all, we've, we've all learned that from them, so we can take a little bit of that to heart and, and work on it. And be authentic. And ourselves. be authentic. There we go. And be authentic. Real and authentic. Good. There we go. That's, that's I like good. it. That's a good message. Yeah, me too. I love that. And doggone it, I'm going to drive a golf cart whether Hedwig likes it or not. <laughs> yeah, what a right? Little Hedy. Cute little bugger. <laughs> Lucky she's So cute. if you've had some, some great advice from your animals, let us know at HealthyCrittersRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at BiostarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 